This is Attorney Mark Green. Did you know that under the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, HIPAA for short, the federal government restricted the type of medical information that can be released to a third party? This restriction may make it difficult for family members and care providers to communicate with medical personnel when they are incapacitated or during end of life, even if you have a health care proxy naming your agent. If you'd like to learn more, give us a call to set up your complimentary one-on-one consultation at 781-792-0202. Legal advice by Mark Green. And Associates of Hanover. This is Attorney Mark Green. As an estate planning attorney here on the South Shore, I'm often asked, how often should my will or other estate planning documents be reviewed? Well, changes in the family, changes in the amount and kind of property owned, and changes in the tax laws may require changes in those documents. An estate plan should be reviewed at least every five years or so, somewhat like having a periodic medical examination. And we can help. Give us a call, 781-792-0202. You will not be sorry. Legal advice by Mark Green and Associates of Hanover. Now, don't touch that dial, as they say. This is David. And Pam Snell of Xmart IT asking you to stay tuned for Attorney Mark Greens. So what about that law coming up next? And by the way, it's our team of experts at Xmart that keeps Attorney Mark Green's team out of harm's way by tending to all of their IT needs. Hey, David, now that he's at the WATD studios, we can do a system-wide and network check at his office. But we can do that remotely anytime with no downtime for his team. Mm, you're right, David. And you know how lawyers are about their computers. I sure do. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Welcome to So What About That Law, sponsored by Mark Green and Associates, attorneys and family counselors of Hanover. Hey, good Sunday morning, everyone. I'm attorney Mark Green, and welcome to So What About That Law. You know, there's so many areas where lawyers can wonderfully complicate your life that I've just got to say there is a general rule to follow, and that is if you can't understand what your attorney's telling you, or worse, they won't return your calls, get another lawyer. A good attorney will tell you what's likely to happen and why. In short, a good attorney has been there before. The advice is free, but I hope it's worth more than you're paying for it. Uh, this has been very easy for you, Mark. There's been no one to interrupt, no scoffing. Everything goes just fine. But I do have a question. What does make you so good? I mean, here you are giving advice on the radio. What happens if it's wrong? Well, I don't claim to know it all, but I've been through most of the catastrophes. And as my late dad used to tell me, Mark, there is nothing new in the world. It only happens to different people. So take advantage of me. I'm easy. And good morning, and I hope you're keeping you and your family safe. And thanks so much for allowing us to take part in your Sunday. Our co-host chair is empty today, so it will be up to Quinn and Marilyn uh, to keep you to keep you thinking, keep you on your toes. Good morning, Quinn. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing, Mark? I'm doing all right. Uh, Quinn, of course, you'll hear uh, all day long on uh, when it has anything to do with sports right here on ATD. It has got to have uh, Quinn behind the mic. Mm-hmm. Um, local in and uh, big time, national, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been coming off of a a game at Stonehill uh, yesterday. That's it. So you want to just check it out. He's really good on that, so uh, keep it in mind. As a reminder, we're going to be posting the show on ATD's Facebook page and our own Facebook and, of course, our website, markgreenlaw.com, midweek or so, so look for that. I'm your host, Attorney Mark Green from the firm of Mark Green Associates. We are attorneys and family counselors located in Hanover. And, of course, as I mentioned on the web, thanking so much to Pam Snell of Act Smart Technologies, markgreenlaw.com. Check out some very, very good legal advice on wills, trusts, health care proxies, and other estate planning documents that we all must have. Uh, for those that don't know what the show is all about, uh, we're going to do this. In a minute or so, I'm going to share with you some legal advice on um, 
let's see, on how to avoid probate. And no, I don't mean not dying. I, there's something else that you should consider. And we if have you a, got tips on how to avoid dying, I think <laughs> my, people might be interested. <laughs> going to see a spike in numbers. <laughs> we have our So What About that, that Law segment, and I'm not sure where that's from, so we'll have to remind me. Oh, oh, oh I think it's New Hampshire. Um, I was watching some... Um, New Hampshire Chronicle, which is, I it thought it was a pretty good show to watch. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. ever seen it, Quinn. But anyway, it got me to look at New Hampshire to see what they were up to. And they've got some pretty interesting laws up there. Uh, then I'm going to explain to you, um, have you made a will? And I've got a bunch of questions that I want to answer uh, with respect to will. So let's get going with uh, legal advice. All right. How to avoid probate. Yep. And I don't mean dying. Okay, not dying. Okay. When a loved one passes away, the last thing close relatives need to worry about is how to handle the decedent's estate. However, complications, delays, and expenses are sure to occur. They are inevitable if, sadly, the probate court becomes involved. This can be avoided in careful with careful planning through creating a trust. Yes, indeed, a properly drafted trust gives you the power to avoid all that. A valid trust ensures that your property with a real estate or other property, will go to who you want, when you want. Even though the trust, quote, owns the property, you, as the trustee who drafted it, uh, with an attorney, control all of the assets in it. Most people creating trusts name themselves as the initial trustee, meaning you keep to keep complete control of your property to do as you wish whatever you want to do with it. As trustee, you can add assets, you can remove them anytime you wish. Upon your demise, the trust distributes your assets as you wished, without the need to enter the probate court system. The court, the trust provides an effective and efficient way to transfer your property to loved ones quickly and confidentially, because wills can be read by anyone. If they've got a computer, it can read by anyone. Not so with a trust. The trust is not recorded. Only a trustee certificate is recorded to just notify everyone that's looking up to buy your home that you, the trustee, has the authority to actually do that. The trust has other benefits. If created properly in the event the owner becomes incapacitated, the trust provides an easy way to let a manager take over your assets. And unlike probate court, which is public, once again, trusts operate without the necessity of public exposure. So think about it. It may be just what you or your loved ones may need. And I always, Quinn, I've probably mentioned this before. For those of us that are old enough to watch Rocky and Bill Winkle. There was a at the end of the show. There was a, a cartoon parade that scrolled across the bottom as the credits rolled, and the last character in that parade was a guy, a janitor with a broom <laughs> that was sweeping up, and the and the animal in front of him was an elephant, and you just just visualize that for a moment. <laughs> you can understand why you want to avoid probate yeah. because that's your job. And uh, for those that say, well, it's great, I got appointed personal representative in this will, so I'll be able to take, I'll take care of all this for mom and for dad. Um, you know what? It's a burden that is very, very uh, hard to go through, and in the probate system makes it really hard. So if you can avoid it, avoid it. All right, so let's do this. Um, what did I do with that? Oh, there it is. Um, oh, yeah, New Hampshire. You know, when you see these scenes, uh, I was mentioned in uh, Chronicle, which is a TV show about uh, New Hampshire and fun places to go and mm-hmm. see. And it's always so p- picturesque. And um, and I wondered recently if they have casinos up there. I, I, I don't know if they do. So I think they just have 
card rooms, card which is slightly different. Okay. I'm not experienced enough to know the nuances of it. Well, but I think you can't, I, I don't think there are, you know, like slot machines. Yeah, right. I think it's more just table games. All right. Well, this is something recent that they, it's interesting they do have these card mm -hmm. because in New Hampshire, it's illegal to sell the clothes one is wearing to pay off a gambling debt. <laughs> <laughs> Say, well, hey, take this sweater. I owe you 50000 but take this sweater. So what about that law? All right, so much for that. So if you're going to New Hampshire, bring some extra clothes yeah. <laughs> if you're going to visit the card, uh, card rooms. All right, we've got to take a quick break. We're going to be right back with, uh, with uh, Marilyn and for Quinn. We interrupt this program to remind you that you are listening to attorney Mark Green. And Mark, since I have you here right now, why would anyone in their right mind retain you as an attorney? That's a great question. There's 40,000 lawyers in the state of Massachusetts, but I suppose you got to go to one you really like and trust. And you've accomplished that? <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> and Mark, for an extra $5, I'll give out your telephone number. 781-792-0202. Is that the one you mean? You just saved five bucks. This is Attorney Mark Green. Check out this commonly held misconception about wills and why it's just not true. If my spouse and I die while our children are young, their grandparents or other relatives will raise them. Not so. A will is the only legal valid document by which you can name a guardian to raise your minor children. Without a will, your minor children become wards of the state until the court approves a guardian, which could take a long time if no one suitable steps forward or if too many people want to raise them. Now you know. Legal advice by Mark Green and Associates of Hanover. Uh, hey, look, if you're just tuning in, this is WATD, and you're listening to So What About That Law? And I'm your host, Attorney Mark Green from Mark Green Associates. We are fam attorneys and family counselors in Hanover. And, of course, with me is Queen Kelly and, of course, Marilyn, who has no microphone for very good reasons. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's go on. All right, we talk about wills, and um, let me just, just briefly explain this. Um, I want to answer a few questions here. One of them, what is a will? Okay, well, a lot of people have misconceptions, but a will is a written instrument controlling the disposition of an individually held property at death. The laws of each state establish the formal requirements for a will, but in Massachusetts, as a general rule, the testator, that's the one that's writing the will, must be 18 years old. The testator, once again, the one that's writing it, must be of sound mind. That's an interesting question because how do you know? <laughs> All right. Um, the will must be written. Um, there are specific limited exceptions, but it must be written down. Uh, the will must be witnesses by two competent persons, a special manner provided by law. A beneficiary of a will or a spouse of a beneficiary should not be a witness. That makes a great deal of sense. You're not going to witness somebody that's giving you something upon their death. That makes a great deal of sense. Um, because the beneficiary may lose benefits under that will as a result of it. They may just disqualify you. And the technical formalities required for the execution of will have to be followed precisely. So um, I know a lot of folks are gun-shy, if you'll excuse the expression, of going to an attorney to do most anything for a lot of reasons. I think one of them is probably expense. However, it's not that expensive, and we can talk about that later. But getting it done right 
is the most important thing. What you don't want to do is go online, do this form, get it filled out, and the court throws it out because it's, it's not valid in Massachusetts. So you've wasted a lot of time and effort. When does it become effective? A will becomes effective at the testator's death, but its validity must be proven by the probate court. That's the first thing and the primary thing that the probate court does if a will gets entered into the probate court is to establish, is this authentic? For those of us that are old enough to remember, uh, um, I can't remember that billionaire that had a couple of wills going on. It was, it's a real struggle. Uh, I forget it. The guy with the airplane um, of Las Vegas. Come on, help me with that. Marilyn, look it up. <laughs> <laughs> the Blue Spruce Goose. I can't think of his name. But. Oh, that's... Um you know what? A trivial pursuit is not is failing me. I know that. <laughs> we can't, we're both striking out on that one. All right. And we mentioned this. Um, there's a will create an, an additional expense uh, for the estate. And remember, the, the word estate means the stuff that someone left behind. Okay? So does it, does it create an additional expense? Uh, generally, no. Uh, if an individual leaves property in their own name at the time of their death, the estate will require administration in the probate court. A will names the person to administer the estate, the executor used to be called, now it's called personal representative, and tells the personal representative what to do. If there is no will, the probate court must determine the testator, that's the one that passed away, it, who, who the heirs are, and appoint an administrator to act in accordance with the statutes. A will can pr reduce probate expenses. So if you ha don't have a probate, uh, don't have a will, we'll talk about that, see what happens. And then we talked about this, how often should it be looked at or review? You should be looking at this, your review, uh, every five years. But also, you know, in the case of a death or a, a, um, a, a sold a house, bought a house, changed, uh, you lost a child, you got a new child, something to that effect, you should be looking at it with any of those uh, events. But at least at a minimum, every three to five years. And what's the effect on a marriage or a divorce? Marriage revokes a will in its entirety unless it's expressly contemplated in the will. So if so all of a sudden you have a will and you find the lucky lady of your life and you decide to get married, the will that you have created has been automatically revoked. You've got to change it. You've got to write a new one because changes in the family, changes in the amount of kind of property, changes in tax laws may require changes in that will. A will should be reviewed, as I mentioned, every three to five years. And the other marriage, divorce, yeah. Divorce or annulment revokes only the disposition of property to the or this former, excuse me, of the, to the former spouse, as though he or she had predeceased the testator, unless he will, will shall expressly provide otherwise. So, remember that if you're going to get married and you've already created a will, create a new one. It's better off you do that because the will itself will be completely um, revoked. So pay attention to that. And as a matter of fact, um, we talked about this before, um, is joint tenancy a good substitute for will? Because we talked a minute ago, the only thing that goes through probate or, or that would go through probate is something that the decedent only owned by themselves, right? So I think we've got to take a quick break. We're going to do that, and we're going to talk about a joint tenancy, and I also want to talk about life insurance. We'll be right back. I suppose that most people know that a will is a written instrument controlling the disposition of an individual's property upon their death. It's what we at Mark Green Associates refer to as your exit strategy. Now, no one likes to think too much about the afterlife, but the fact is you should spend some time to get things in order and we can help. When a decedent dies without a will, the property is distributed to heirs at law, 
according to a statutory formula. The laws are inflexible and make no exceptions. Preparing a will is complex and involves the making of decisions requiring a professional judgment, which can only be obtained by years of training, experience, and study. Only the practicing lawyer can avoid the innumerable pitfalls and advise the course best suited for each individual. These so-called printed forms will likely not suit your situation or your needs and could create more problems than it solves. Finally, a will is valid until it's changed or revoked, but it may be changed or revoked as often as you wish. Changes in the family, changes in the amount and kind of property, and changes in tax laws may require changes in the will. A will should be reviewed somewhat like having a periodic medical examination, at least every five years. If you need help with yours, give us a call at Mark Green Associates, 781-792-0202. And if you are uh, just tuning in this is WATD and you're listening to so what about that law and I'm your host attorney Mark Green from Mark Green Associates we are attorneys and family counselors located in Hanover uh, we we're talking about wills and it's something over anyone over the age of 18 ought to think about so here we go we talk one of the things I think and I go back up what 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 gets entered into probate what assets get into the only assets that go into a probate uh, court or even in a will is something that only you owned because if you owned it with someone else and when you pass away that someone else now owns it so it doesn't need to go through probate so joint tenancy is a is a a, a phrase where it says that two or more people own something okay so joint tenancy always involves a gamble as to who dies first right <laughs> because in joint tenancy when I, if I'm joint tenant with Quinn and I die, Quinn owns whatever we had as joint tenants. So it's a gamble. Who's dying first gets the assets, right? So in some cases, and for certain kinds of property, joint ownership may be a useful legal device in addition to a will. Countless problems arise from the indiscriminate use of a joint tenancy. While the will may be changed as often as the testator desires, a joint tenancy creates a legal title in the other joint owners which cannot be revoked without their consent, except in the case of a bank account and certain other types of property. So if you're entering into a joint tenancy with somebody to avoid probate, understand that you might not be able to change that. So is that what you want? Or if it's in a will, maybe you can't change it. So joint tenancy should be used with a great deal of care since they may involve federal and state tax problems Contrary to public popular belief, the creation of a joint savings account or joint ownership of stocks, land, or other property does not avoid the problems of state and federal taxes. It also does not allow for planning for contingencies such as the death of joint tenants in a common accident. The both of you go, you had joint tenancy, now what happens? And still, you'd still go to probate. You had a probate, okay. yeah. So do you ever see anybody besides spouses attempt to have, have joint tenancy? Oh, sure. So uh, will you see like a family come in and try to collectively do it? Yes, it, it's it's often, you know, and once again, Quinn, it's just they're following up on something they read on the internet mm-hmm. that said, hey, if you want to do this, this is the way to do it. One of the common things that happen with, with joint bank accounts, for example, mm-hmm. 
if there's if there's a substantial amount of money in there, that if either one of those persons gets in an automobile accident, that asset's available to a successful plaintiff. Worse, if one of the joint owners, I've got a joint ownership with mom, and we've got mom because she doesn't write the checks mm -hmm. or what have you, and all of a sudden I get divorced, that's an asset that my ex-wife can now tap into. Okay. So there's some real, you've, you've got to understand all the ramifications. Look, if it's just a few, if it's just an operating account or something like that, okay, that's not much to lose in the event you mm -hmm. had to lose it. But if, the, if there's issues with uh, substantial amounts of money in there, understand there's a risk factor that you need to understand. So joint tenancies, yep, that'll avoid probate, but it might create more problems than it's worth. What about life insurance? Well, as we stated earlier, life insurance proceeds are paid in accordance with the owner's contract with the company. His or her designation of the beneficiary. That's it. It just goes to them. It doesn't go through probate. You can't do a thing about it. Now, what you can do is you can have a secondary de a beneficiary, and that would be the trust. Right, we could talk about that some other day. It's a little mm. tricky. Right? <laughs> An individual should have a lawyer or an insurance underwriter work together to provide a life insurance program, which will uh, complement the individual's estate plan. And actually, um, for those that are really affluent, um, estate taxes can be paid through life insurance policies, which is a terrific way of, uh, of paying that off without having to dip into the assets themselves. And so what are estate taxes? Well, estate taxes are a form of a death tax levied against the estate of a decedent by a federal and state governments. The tax is levied on any property in which the decedent had an incident or ownership of ownership at the time of death, including life insurance, jointly held properties, and so on. So life insurance can avoid probate, but it might not avoid taxes. A will can provide for substantial estate tax savings by careful planning and the use of such devices as a, a marital deduction and trusts. A will can also direct how the estate shall pay the estate taxes. Shares of certain beneficiaries may pass free of taxes, while others may pay their share or more. If there's no will and no provisions in the will, a statute determines the allocation of taxes among the beneficiaries. And you should note that in Massachusetts, federal, I think it's north of $11 million. So in Massachusetts, it's a, a little north of a million. The problem with uh, to pay estate taxes, the problem with Massachusetts as it exists is, is that if you're a dollar over a million, you've got to pay the state tax mm -hmm. on all of it which is really unfair. Yeah. You'd only be paid on the one buck or whatever that's over that. So um, you, you gotta consult with an attorney on that one. As somebody that knows something about taxes too. Okay, when and how should gifts be made to charities? Well, gifts can be made to charities during your lifetime or by a will. And there are both uh, income and estate tax deductions available as a result of those gifts, which there should be to, to uh, encourage that. And an individual may leave the income property to, uh, from property to one or more persons for life and the remainder of the property to charity. For example, if you own a real estate, you own a building and there's rents coming in, the rents can go to the uh, to individuals that you would like them to go. And then when those two pass away, the body, the, the building itself can be sold and given to a charity. So there's all kinds of cool ways of doing that. Certain prescribed regulations have got to be followed in order to achieve the desired tax deductions. And it's advisable, of course, to review these plans with your attorney. Um, how does one make a will? Well, the drafting of a will is complex, and we talked about this earlier, and it involves making decisions requiring professional judgment, which can only be obtained by a lot of years of training and experience. And attorneys are in the what-if business. What if this happened? So you sit with a client and say, well, what if this happened? What if that happened? And 
99 out of 100 times they said, I, n- I never thought of that, mm-hmm. you know? And they think we're just bringing, you know, all these dire consequences. But these are things that just might happen. Well, I don't know what the odds are. If I was, I would go up to New Hampshire and gamble and bring yeah. an extra suit. <laughs> but so only practicing attorney can avoid the pitfalls and advise the course best suited for your individual circum situation. The problem with going online to find these wills and so on is that they may not be, we may not be uh, uh, accepted in every jurisdiction or in your jurisdiction. And I can't imagine spending all the time and effort filling out one of those things, thinking you're good, and go to, and then all of a sudden your, your heirs find out that it's no damn good. Mm-hmm. The printed form may not suit your situation and your needs, and it could create way more problems, I guess, than it solves. So what, the, what does it cost you? Well, lawyers generally make only a nominal a pay a nominal charge, if any, for a first office visit. And I can tell you this. We do not charge anyone to step into our office and to listen and talk with us for an hour. There are attorneys, even in our own building, that, cha- that charged fees upwards of $350 for initial mm-hmm. visits. Now, I can't imagine sitting across the table listening to somebody that I instantly don't like. Yeah. <laughs> Don't like them at all, and yet I know I have to leave a check for three hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, that that to me is just uh, you know it's the, the the idea of meeting an attorney is hard to do. Making the phone calls really hard, making the appointments is harder, and then finally coming in and talk to them is extremely difficult for a lot of people because you're explaining things and telling somebody that first of all you you don't really know that well, mm-hmm. so there's got to be some kind of human connection, and you're explaining. All these things, like yes, you had an, another child. Um, yeah, uh, yes, um, you're, this is your second or third divorce, and your wife is sitting there saying, "I didn't know that," or you know, we had another child. And it's things that they all have to be out, out out in the open. And to create that environment is really, really hard, hard to do. Um, and I think it, it it takes some like charisma. It takes something mm-hmm. for you to say, hey, look, I understand where you're coming from. There's a connection. We can, we can talk about these things and get them off your shoulders and come up with a plan that's exactly what you want. Now, that doesn't happen at the first meeting. What happens at a first meeting when you, when you meet with an attorney, at least with our office, is that we explain all of the things that you should have as you're with us healthcare proxy, power of attorney, and so on. Because those create those I, documents you will need until the day you die, okay? From your 18 until the day you die. A will, you won't need it all because you'll be dead, all right? <laughs> Somebody else might need it, but that's only gonna happen once. And when that happens, what are the parameters that you wanna have around that as far as gifts? But more importantly, uh, how do you want that to pass? Avoid probate or have somebody that wants to, you know, that I'm not gonna say wants to go through probate, but they'd rather do that, whatever. All those decisions don't get made at the first meeting. Mm -hmm. It's just an understanding of who we are, can we help you? These are the things based on your circumstance and what you want, these are the documents to help you get there. Right now and then you want to move forward, fine, then we'll take, and it's a process. It takes sometimes several weeks to get emails, phone calls, meetings to get everything in order. This is not something that happens overnight. You've got to give it a great deal of thought. Let me ask you, Mark, because I know you advocate that everybody have a will. Should everybody have an attorney? Should everybody just find, you know, go and, and try to make that connection so that any issues that arise, you have somebody you can go to confidently? It's an excellent point. Do you have a primary care physician? Mm-hmm. Okay. You have a dentist? Sure. I have an accountant? Yeah, yeah. All right. There you go. I think, yes, I think it, it, I think you're right. I think you do need to have somebody on your side that you can say, something's developed, get them on the phone. 
you know, we don't charge every time somebody calls up and asks mm-hmm. for something. We don't do that because if you did, if you if we charged you, you know, a fee every time you called, you wouldn't call. <laughs> okay. And then might what might happen is that if we've prepared an estate plan, you might do something that would negatively impact what we what we had what you had planned. Mm-hmm. So if you call and you say, hey, look, this has come up. And it doesn't even have to do anything with your estate plan. It can be anything. I'm going to rent an apartment and my daughter's doing this. You know, 5, 10, 15-minute call, phone call, no one's going to uh, bill you, but you'll get the right advice, mm-hmm. and don't you, have, you don't have to Google it. Guess what? You get a real person that knows what they're doing. So the, answer, the short answer to your question is it's really self-serving, mm-hmm. but I believe, yes, it's a good idea, provided you find someone that you know, you like, and you trust. That's the first thing I talk about with Bob Parkers when we open up the show. You have to find somebody that you know and you like and you trust. And if you know your primary care physician, you trust them, your accountant and all these people, great, that's that's safety. It feels good to have somebody that's in your pack pocket should something happen. And that same thing should be said um, for your for an attorney, I, in my personal opinion. All right, so I think that's gonna close it out. All right, here we go. That's our broadcast for this Sunday. We hope you found it interesting. Thanks for joining me, Quinn, I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. If you'd like to reach me, you can reach me at 781 781- Seven nine two zero two zero two, or you can jump on our website markgreenlaw.com, and my email is very simple too. It's mark with a K, mark at markgreenlaw.com. And I'll leave you with this message: If you're getting your estate planning advice at the corner bar, you probably find many people actually believe false myths about wills, trusts, and other estate planning tools that are, they believe they're true, but they're not. Bob Bartender may lend you a sympathetic ear, but for advice, you're better off going to a lawyer, and we can help. Show's going to be posted in all kinds of social media. So for uh, producer Quinn Kelly, Marilyn, and all of us from Mark Green Associates of Hanover, saying thanks so much for listening this Sunday morning, and we'll talk to you next week. I see it's time to go. So this is attorney Mark Green from Mark Green and Associates of Hanover, across the street from Merchant Row Marketplace. We'll see you next week. Hope you tune in. Where are those keys? With one million lawyers in this great land, apparently we can never have too many of them. Uh, Mark, this is where you give the legal disclaimer, where now you disavow everything you just said, right? Nope.